0: Welcome to another episode of The Quilling Solution, where we look to empower you with awareness and actionable insights. And today's topic is trust, right? And by its very definition, trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength for someone or something. Think about that. I mean, the reliability truth ability or strength of someone or something now this year has arguably been the most arduous year for many of us right with the way forward that is still very much uncertain to pay the way forward right we'll require newly envisioned partnerships allies and solutions all of which will need to be undergirded by trust right like capital t type trust So the question is, how do you create trust in an environment that is so much different than what we're used to? So much more virtual, so much more complex and still pave forward in uncertainty, knowing you need trust. Well, joining me for this discussion today is my good friend, Jason O. Harris. And let me properly introduce Mr. Harris, Lieutenant Colonel Jason O. Harris is a dynamic thought leader. Motivational speaker, military leader, and commercial airline pilot. Jason is an in-demand trust and leadership expert, having done work for the United States Air Force Academy Center for Character and Leadership Development, as well as training hundreds of American airline pilots on implicit bias and inclusion and diversity. He's been featured in publications such as Forbes, national print media outlets, and multiple podcasts recognizing him as an authority on trust, leadership, and high performance teams. As a keynote speaker, Jason has shared his powerful and transformative message of no-fail trust with leading Fortune 500 organizations, top universities, the U.S. Air Force, and top-tier hospitality industry organizations. Jason and his network of consultants provide solutions to help organizations create cultures of trust and high-performance teams, leading to more empowered workplaces and significantly enhanced customer experiences as a result of high levels of employee engagement. Jason's most prized responsibility is his dedication to being A dedicated father and spouse. That's a good way to end your bio, Jason. Let me just say that, by the way. Please welcome from Aurora, Colorado, trust expert, Air Force veteran and aspiring at home shelf chef, rather, Lieutenant Colonel Jason Harris. Welcome to the Corlink Solutions, sir.
1: Thanks so much, James. It's an honor to be here, man. I really, really appreciate it.
0: It's good to have you, man. It's good to have you. And, you know, I often try to shorten up a bio (laughs) to uh, make it uh, shorter, but you know what? I've I've also started to get into the practice of reading the long form if I need to, because I want people to know who's here and get the full breath of what they bring. So I think it lends strength to the topic. So they understand, you know, people need to understand the scar tissue you have to understand what you're speaking to as you start to go into the topic. And man, you bring so much to this topic uh, through your background. You've got plenty of scar tissue, brother. So i um, looking forward to this discussion. Looking forward to it so um you give a lot away in your bio so i'm going to ask you a difficult question from the onset what can you share that people who know you well and think they know everything about you don't know what's a fun fact you can share that people don't
1: know fun fact wow um it's oh that's that's a tough question you just asked i know you're like wait people that know you well, but it's a fun fact that nobody really knows. And I'm exactly. like, well, you know me well. Nope, I would, no alley-oops I would here. Say, <laughs> I know, man, like definitely. Like, it, um, And I wanna come back to the bio thing in a minute, especially as we talk about trust. I love that you, you capitalize on the definition of trust. And I love that you talk about kind of reading the long form of the bio. But I would say probably the one thing that a lot of people just really don't know about me, unless they literally have spent a lot of time with me, is that horses saved my life. Hmm. And, 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 there, and basically, you know, I'm from Oakland, California, uh, grew up in, in East Oakland, got to see a lot of uh, traumatic things growing up, uncle selling drugs, things like that. My mom enlisted in the army to get us out of Oakland, to yeah. get us out of that environment. And interestingly enough, I almost found myself right back into that same environment, completely removed from big city, Oakland, small hmm. city near military installation. And I found myself in trouble. I got sent to alternative school in the sixth grade. I sent to alternative school again in the seventh grade. And for those who don't know what I mean when I say alternative school, that's the school they send you to when you get kicked out of normal school. Yes, And so the same principal, <laughs> the same vice principal, she sent me to that school twice, not once, wow. but twice, a wow. good measure. And uh, there's a whole nother story as to that principal and, and and how she made an impact on my destiny. Literally, the reason part of me sitting here today is because of that principal. But what ended up happening was in the eighth grade, I found myself getting in some more trouble, Mm -hmm. hanging out with some of the dudes that I actually was in alternative school with
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and, and, and finding myself going down this path. And I met a gentleman who effectively became like my godfather, who effectively became a father figure, a mentor. And he introduced me to horses Hmm. and, and it was this thing man. I remember, I remember when I was growing up in Oakland and, and my mom was in Korea, her first assignment. And she told us we we're going to be moving to Fort Hood, Texas. And all I thought was Texas. I want some snakeskin boots and I want to ride a horse. <laughs> and um, and it wasn't, you know, we moved there when I was in third grade. And it wasn't until I was in the eighth grade that I finally was able to actually ride a horse that, that I was finally able to realize that dream. And now when you ask me that question, what is that little thing that most people wouldn't know about? That's it, man. Horses saved my life. If it was not for the horses, Man. I would have probably either been in jail or dead having already been removed from big city, Oakland, California, and the traumatic s- situations that I got to experience there. So that's, that's, that's that good. one little rare piece of information. That is
0: good. Thank God horses uh, saved your life. Cause for me, uh, right behind me is a horse um, and it's not the main one. There's a horse named Barkley who um, I'm not going to say save my life, but, but definitely helped me. I'm going to say, be more courageous in my life, man. And I'm not going to tell the whole story today. I'll just say, I had a fear of horses and from my childhood, because of something that happened and, I took a ride on this horse named Barkley, which was Charles Barkley's horse at this ranch out in Arizona doing this. this Wow. Trip. Here's a short story. I'll give you the short story. When I was a kid, we were in New York at this park and the the um, the the instructor said, hey, you know, all you guys just get on the horses and they know what to do. And you just ride along. Right. They know what to do. Just ride. So we get on the horses and I'm riding at that time. I wear glasses. I got my glasses on. Right. So I'm putting my readers and I'm you know, and, and we're like, you know, and my horse doesn't move. So all I know is what I have seen on TV, right? What, <laughs> you you did, what whole, do you do? You do the whole, kick the horse, right? So I kicked the horse. He took off, Jason, through Central, well, I, I don't know if it was Central Park or whatever. Took off, right? Well, what do I do then? I grab his neck. Well, why did I do that? My oh. boy, I mean, full stride, okay? So figure figured 15 minutes later, Backing this horse into a corner, fire trucks and everything, right? By the time they get me off this horse, man, wow. I am I'm done. Okay. I'm I'm done. Fast forward, probably fifteen years later, we're in Arizona on a business trip. And uh our boss takes us out one day, he says he's taking us, you know, you do the normal thing. You you with a new team, you're gonna do some team building. We're in the back of a van, we're all like, where you going? Where we going, where we going? No one no one knows, no one knows. Finally someone says, We're going to a ranch to go horseback ride, and I go Horseback ride. I'm like, I don't, you know, yeah, in my head, I'm going. Not. I'm going to do a doing horseback ride. So now I go. I just need to, you know. Say, and then, so part of me is like, you know, you, you should, you should man up. You should just do it. Then you hear that other voice that goes, you don't have to prove anything to these people. You don't owe these people anything. Not, right? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. The other voice is like, you should man up. The other voice, you owe them nothing, right? So we get there, and it's called the All Star Ranch, and they hold horses for. NBA, NFL players, as a part of this charity thing they do, everyone gets a horse. All these horses come off the the, uh, the, the, the truck. All, everyone has nice little horses. I get the last horse. His name is Barkley. It's Charles Barkley's horse. Biggest horse I've ever seen in my life. All muscles, just flexing as he comes off the truck. And they say, okay, they're going to get me up on Barkley. And so we go through this thing, and we're going down the sides of mountains. All the little horses can like tiptoe down the sides of mountains. Barkley and I are just slipping and sliding. By the time we come in, man, I lost probably eight to 10 pounds of sweat. Okay, I'm just done. But I overcame my fear. Right. So at least a face to fear. Now it's so funny because then probably right. about 10 years later, we were shooting this video for a, a conference at legal shield and they want to do this intro on horses. Right. They, and, you know, they came to tell me about it. You know, it's four of us, the leaders, you know, the, the most senior leaders of the company are going to shoot this video. And it, they, they like were, were really cautious about telling me, you know, we want to shoot this video. And, um, uh, it's about, you know, so many of these horses, and they're all waiting for my response. But we know you're over the horse thing. I said, you know, I'm over it, but I'm not looking forward to continuing to do this on a regular basis. So let's be clear.
1: Right. I, <laughs> I don't want to continue to try to relive this experience and try to get over this thing over and over, over and over
0: and over again. Right, right. So, yeah, so it's cool. So, all right. So good, man. So talk to me about what made you, because going through your career, when I think about, you know, the time you spent in the military and then all the things you've could have done coming out of the military, being a commercial pilot, so on and so forth. What made you lean into this work on trust?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting, man. Um, I, I had to sit down and I had to think through that as I got into it. And I, I, I think I kind of got into it by accident, but mm. yet at the same time, it was not accident, right? It was initially when I thought, Oh, I want to, I want to do this speaking thing or i want to get involved in making an impact on people i had done some some leadership courses and they do us they do a lot of these assessments I, i went through the center for creative leadership here in colorado and as the lady was laying out my results and kind of going through what she had discovered in evaluating all of my personality assessments you know, literally there were several different personality assessments we did to include the 360, which I think is beyond valuable. Mm-hmm. And she began to explain to me where I sat on the spectrum in a good way, right? And she began to explain to me how unique I was. And so I thought, okay, fine. I, I put that in the back of my head. And then fast forward, I'm I'm learning some things, I'm getting involved with some people. And I thought that I would just share my story about coming out of Oakland and and, and all of the challenges that I was up against in life and kind of where I ended up at now. Mm. But I ended up not really talking about that. I incorporate a little bit of that into my trainings, into my workshops and and my keynote speeches. But I realized that what was what was extremely valuable to me in my military career was the trust that we built by way of how we operate it. Gotcha. And then I realized that, the people that I really cared about, you know, like my mom who was enlisted in the army mm-hmm. and she would tell me different things that happened to her. My grandfather who served 20 plus years in the army, Korean war veteran, Vietnam veteran. And he chose to become a janitor when he retired from the army. And so as I looked at these things, as I began to really step back and evaluate, why am I here? Why am I doing this, this stuff on trust? Mm-hmm. Why am I so involved in it? I began to realize that the essence of taking care of people like my grandfather, the janitor, like my mother, the enlisted, enlisted soldier, single mom. And then what I was able to experience as a aircraft commander in combat, an aircraft commander flying around the world and the military, being able to take care of people. And what I came to the realization was that it was all predicated upon trust, mm, the mm. whole essence of leadership, right? Like like there are people who aspire to these great things in leadership. They want to be all these different things, right? And they, they have all these aspirations. And the one thing that I see so many people forget about, they forget about the people. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of the day, every organizational problem, right? It's a people problem. Sure. And, and a people problem is a, is a communication problem. And a communication problem also is built into this idea of a trust challenge, Right we can't get people to do what we need them to do or do what they should do. And we can't get an organization to work together in a cohesive manner. If we do not create and cultivate an organization and a culture that's built on trust. So that is literally what drove me down this Mm. pathway of trust. I thought about some of my most challenging times in combat. And when I thought about what I experienced in combat, the people is why I'm here. The people is why I was able to come back safely. But we could not work as a crew in combat. We could not succeed and we could not come back safely if we collectively did not have trust within that aircraft, within that crew, within that squadron, within that organization to know that, you know what, your political affiliations don't matter, where you're from doesn't matter, your religious beliefs, nothing matters other than can we trust each other to save our lives? Can we trust each other that when the fit hits the Shan we're going to be there and take care of each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And you know, I, the, the it's such an interesting topic, right? Because, um, trust and I think about trust and I think about intent as an example, right. And, them, and those two things being so, um, that's what I'm looking for them having a tangential relationship, right? Like intent is almost the revealing right of um so i trusted you and your intent and then i see it play out right absolutely and so i remember being in the workshop once and uh i forget what it was a print workshop where you print is another form of like disc or something like that right and you get your numbers and whatnot and i was one of the only folks with this number and i remember going through it and um the facilitator went through all the different numbers and he talked about my number. And he said, one of the challenges with your number is you focus a lot on intent and you need to figure out how to reduce that focus on intent. And I thought it was really interesting. So I'm sitting there thinking through it and I said, you know, I, uh, huh. I don't I don't know. You know, I have to I have to process that. I need to marinate on that. And really think about it. And as I thought about it, and even as I think about it now here, here is my takeaway. I think intent is really important because grace is easily given. If I understand your intent and you still mess up.
1: Yes, very much so.
0: Right. We are imperfect people. And we're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen when we try to perform it at our best. We're going to make mistakes and so on and so forth. You know, but when I understand your intent and I can see it. Right. And it shows up in in other ways. Then when those things happen, it's it's so much easier to give grace. It's so much easier to 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 go in with each other and back each other up and so much so, so on and so forth. So I just see those things having such a tangential. I don't know if that's the right word to use here, but those things are so tied together for me. Does that make sense?
1: It it, it absolutely makes sense. Right. So like I was, I was sitting down, I was doing some more studying on trust and I started thinking about some of the basic elements of what it really means to have trust. Right. So let's just go at a really basic level. Yeah. When you walk into an organization and you apply for a job, they give you the job or you're the hiring authority and you hire someone, there is a basic level of trust, right? The, the idea that trust is, it's about reliability, right? It's about I I rely on you for something and you in turn rely on me for something. So as the employer, my expectation of what I trust you to do and mm. what I'm relying on you to do is to do your job as the employee, as the right. team member, right. right? And and that's the intent. Yes. And then in turn, as the as the team member, as the employee, my expectation of you as the as the employer is to provide me the right tools, right? But more importantly, in the in the very simplistic nature of what we're talking about, in the very simplistic idea of intent, is as the employee, I expect you to pay me on time. Absolutely, right? And that's the intent that we go with. Now, if for some reason you say, "Look, James, I'm so sorry, man. We are having a challenging time meeting payroll, but I got you." You're gonna go. I understand. I know where your heart is. At. I know what your intent is based on the basic levels of trust that we've, that we've established this basic contract that we've established with each other. Right. 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 And that, that employee, if you come through and you say, look, man, I, I, you were supposed to sweep this area or you're supposed to do X, Y, Z say, look, boss, I, I got it. Um, I ran into some challenges or I had a time crunch, or I had to deal with an emergency with my child or wh- whatever the case may be. Right. You're going to say, no worries. Take care of it when you get a chance, because I know what your intent is. And I trust that you're going to be able to execute and do what you said you're going to be able to do. Right. That's it. So so you're absolutely right, man. This idea of intent, it is very much tied to trust. Right. Like and, and, and the idea of what you said, that we are imperfect people the very essence of trust is I'm willing to give you that bit of grace because I trust that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. And we have gotten to know each other at a level that we have a level of expectation mm-hmm. as well as understanding and appreciation of what we will do and what we're capable of doing. Right. And that intent is so powerful. But if you show me that you have ill intent yes. by any stretch, then now what happens? I'm now going to bring my level of trust. If not all of it
0: yes, down. Yes. Yes. Big time. Well said. Well said, because you know, that, that is the reality, right? When, when the, when the, it, when the malintent shows up, um, you can't help but reduce, uh, that level of trust. Right. And I, I, I think there's a phrase I didn't make it up. Someone else said it right. Trust is built sometimes with t- with deposits over time, but one, Big withdrawal can wipe it out easily.
1: Yeah. Man, you know, I I think about um, something that one of my stepdads said when I was matter of fact, when I had got sent to alternative school
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and you'll appreciate the timing. It was it was right after Desert Storm.
2: Mm.
1: He had come back from Desert Storm. Uh, he and my mom had got married right before Desert Storm happened or whatever. He got shipped out. And uh, and he gave me he kind of gave me some some wisdom before he left, or really some correction to say, look, stay out of trouble. Yeah, That's pretty much yeah. what he said. Well, then when he came back, you know, I had gotten sent back to alternative school, and the one thing he said to me was exactly what you said, but in a different way. He says you could have a hundred Attaboy's, and you have one all crap moment, <laughs> and it ruins those one hundred Attaboy's, yes. right? And so now, like that bank of, of, of trust deposits you got to build that back up, right? right? right. And, and and now, because of that, that becomes a challenge. And, and unfortunately, as we've seen, whether it's our relationships, whether it's uh, with our children, whether it's with people in the workplace, sometimes that, be, that feels so insurmountable, right? Yes. You look at people in relationships, whether it's in the workplace or in their relationships with their significant other, a lot of times they have that one, oh, crap moment and it gets it. It, it basically um, just gets rid of those 100 positive trust deposits. And some people just make a quick determination. They go, "You know what? I'm not going to put in the work because this. I don't feel like it's worth it, or I'm not willing to build that bank back up." Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Um, and unfortunately, that that's tragic. But the reality is, is that you can overcome those those challenges you can't overcome those times of that massive withdrawal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it takes patience. It takes uh intent. It takes a desire and a willingness to want to build back up that level of trust so that you can continue to move forward within that relationship, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah. And so you know one of the things that I appreciate and your work, uh, having watched you now for over a year. Um, I'll, you know, just for folks listening, Jason and I are in a mastermind group together and have been for, uh, at least 18 months plus now. And, uh, so I know this is what he does. I've watched him do it. Uh, and so I know he's dedicated to this work when, I, when you think about what's happening right now and you kind of juxtapose that against, the different groups that you've helped, right? Between the US Air Force and different Fortune 500 companies, so on and so forth. One of the things I know is you have a model that you deploy, right? This no fail trust model and in, in the five keys within it. How do you think about the applicability of that model right now and those five keys?
1: Man, you know, it, it's, it's powerful, right? So, um, you know, first and foremost, within my no fail trust model, I talk about three primary things and that's being able to trust your training being able to trust the process and being able to trust the people. Unfortunately, right now, based on what we have going on, James, there's a lot of training and processes that have had to go out the window Mm -hmm. because we're operating under a completely new Mm -hmm. construct at this point in time. Right? People have had to, to make changes and become innovative based on what the new environment has provided the third thing in that baseline of no fail trust is being able to trust the people, your people, you can still trust your people. You might have to figure out some new processes. You might have to then also train them on those processes, but the people element is still there. And then the other side of that is, is the cargo model that we, we came up with. And interestingly enough, I came up with that with my spouse. She helped me to really craft this idea of the cargo model and the idea is is that creativity um you know being able to give your people the space to be creative but not just giving that to your people giving it to yourself mm. right a, a lot of us right now man we are we are so mentally taxed we are so mentally traumatized that we have forgotten how to be creative we haven't given ourselves space to be creative we haven't given ourselves the grace i mean i'm guilty of that man there's been days and i've talked to you a little bit about this james where i've felt like man i Today is just, I'm just happy yeah. that I woke up. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. So, so so that piece there, man, is like it is significant. And that's where we're in, right? So that cargo model, you got uh, creativity, you got access to resources, you got responsibilities, you got goals, being able to share those goals, being able to have your teammates share those goals with you. Uh, and then you have opportunities, opportunities for success, opportunities for small wins, right? And so right now, this in this space. We have to figure out how do we do those different elements, and how do those apply in this new environment? I think many of us we realize that we we probably and most likely will not go back to where we were pre March two thousand and twenty. Okay, that's the reality, right? Right, right. right. Um, and so we've had to adapt new new models within our organizations. We've had to figure out how to manage the people that we have. We've had to figure out how do we move forward and be innovative and come up with new processes, figure out how do we do training? And oh, by the way, we've got to figure out how to do this with limited resources because we don't have the endless resources that we once had. Right. Well, at the end of the day, you still have people in your organizations and you still have to create and cultivate trust, right? You got to have them being able to be creative. You got to, figure out how to give them access to tools and resources. Some of those tools and resources are already there and available. We just haven't, again, going back to that first one, we haven't given ourselves a space to be creative, to think about what those tools and resources are, or to be creative with how to find them and how to have them in a, in a um, less expensive manner. Right? Mm-hmm. Responsibilities, this whole idea of responsibilities, that is knowing what is my responsibility as a leader And then being willing, being able um, to actually relinquish some responsibilities. Mm. I was I was having a conversation with my wife last night, and she was telling me one of the challenges that she's dealing with in her work environment right now. And effectively, you know, it it was it was what we boiled it down to was the the challenge that she's experiencing is because there's someone who doesn't want to necessarily fully relinquish that responsibility. To another person right Mm -hmm. you know I I I hear I've heard a lot of commanders in the air force and what they say James is this when they take over a squadron or a group or a wing right they say look as a commander my job is to be the number one and to lead you your job is do what, what you're entrusted to do and what you're responsible to do right but what I want you guys to remember is this bring me only the problems that you cannot solve, bring me only the things that only I can handle, right? So if it's a paperwork drill, or if it's some other task that I as a member of that organization can do, Mm -hmm. then that that person effectively has empowered me and trusted me to go and do that. Don't bring them these small tasks that I can be responsible for. Gotcha. You know, but but that's hard, right? That's far easier said than done. Sure, sure. You know, how many times have you seen in an organization where somebody says that? You know, and then all of a sudden you find that they come down, and they go, no, I need to take that because I need to make certain it's done right. Yeah. You know, or that mindset, that mantra that we've heard before, like if you want something done right. You got to do, do it, it yourself. yourself.
0: Yep, yep. So let like, me ask you this. So I get your points. So, you know, so much has happened. Very difficult to imagine. Like you think about your, your three point model of the, um, the training. The training is, is very difficult to execute today, given the change in the air, the processes are in flux at best in most places. And the last part of your model, the people. So your point is rely on the people and deploy this cargo model. Am I hearing you correctly?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
0: And then when you say creativity is, is creativity, the idea of, of truly unleashing every aspect of the talent. Is that your point around creativity?
1: Absolutely. Right. So like our people, they have the answers, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and when you hire somebody, you hire them for a particular purpose, but beyond their, the particular job title, the job description, oftentimes what we fail to do is we fail to sit down with that person, get to know them, get to know what their intent is. And then we fail to take the time to acknowledge what other skill sets they bring to bear, that they bring to the fight. You see what I mean? And so because of that, we never truly get to experience their creativity. Gotcha. That doesn't mean that every every idea that they bring, you know, sometimes a good idea fairy runs rampant through an organization. We never get anything done. But what it means is, is that we have people that are so sharp, so amazing, so talented, so skilled, hence why you hire them to begin with. But they have skills, talents, and abilities that go above and beyond yeah. that basic job description.
2: Absolutely.
1: And if we take time to allow them to utilize that creativity, they're going to solve our they're going to solve a lot of our problems. Sure. They're going to figure out how to actually execute that training simpler, cheaper, faster, mm-hmm. more more, more ex, ex, expeditiously. Right. And they're also going to be the ones who are going to help to create those processes that we need to be able to excel in our organizations. Right.
0: Absolutely. So but I'm here remember, nev- Absolutely. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, if we never unleashed our creativity, then we've missed an opportunity to truly allow our people to to be their best selves in the workplace. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm here you know, remove some rigidity, blur the lines, go be let allow folks to go beyond their job description. Yeah. Love it. When you say access to resources, is this about I just want to because I want to go through each element of this cargo model. I think this is really helpful for people. Access to resources. Is this about uh, tools predominantly?
1: It's it's tools, right? It's it's different types of resources, right? Sometimes it might be tools that are like hard tools, you know, wrenches, whatever, Um Other times it's tools such as access to databases. That's what I mean, It might be, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's a broad term that encompasses a lot. Okay. But, you know, so it is both tools and resources that we need to be able to provide for our people. And sometimes they will actually tell us what they need because a lot of times what we find, we do the research is, you know, Gallup did some research and what they found is that a lot of employees, they felt like they did not have the appropriate tools and the appropriate resources to do their job. Mm -hmm. And so then when you step back, you go, wait a minute, you do some more research and you find that a lot of times those tools, those resources were not very expensive if there was even any cost at all. And then beyond that, we found that some organizations, they already had the tools and resources. Their people just weren't told where they were at.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. And then okay, so let's talk through responsibilities. How do you frame that one up?
1: Yeah, I, again, the responsibility for me as the leader, I need to know clearly what my responsibility is and what my role is, mm-hmm. right? I need to know what I should be responsible for. And sometimes this takes a deep dive because again, if you look at many organizations, we 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 hire up, right? So we have someone who's been in an organization and they keep going up up and up. And then They, in their minds, they hold on to that responsibility from where they were at when they entered the organization, or they hold on to something because it's their baby, right? Mm -hmm. Like no one, like it's 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 challenging for us to say we created this thing, we created this project, or or this resource, whatever that may be, and then to say I'm now I've now been promoted and I'm going to give my baby, my creation, to someone else to be responsible, right? Yes, and so there's an element there. And then the other piece of that, as a as a leader, not our responsibility, nor our role. And then for our people, in order for us to trust them, as well as for them, our people to feel like they're trusted, we need to make sure that they know what their role and their responsibility is. Yeah. Right. Oftentimes, what we find when we do the research, what we find even anecdotally is that people will live up to a standard that you set for them. And when you give people a set of responsibilities. They'll come to that set of responsibilities and they'll execute it. But if we don't spend the time to actually have the conversation with them, if we don't spend the time to explain to them what their role and their actual responsibility is, then it's going to be more challenging for them to actually be responsible for that task at hand. But yet we're holding them responsible for it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so there's there's a responsibility element that's on the side of the leader, and there's a responsibility element that's on, on the side of our, the people. That we as the leaders have to ensure that we give to them, that we give to them with clarity, with a level of expectations and a level of trust that creates empowerment as well as intent that allows them to show up and be their best, fullest self possible. Yeah.
0: And by virtue of the fact that you've incorporated this into your model, has your experience been that in working with many of these companies, responsibilities have not been clear up and down the the food chain? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You you know, I I work with a client. um, They're a high end luxury hotel brand, uh, not even a brand. They're just one particular hotel that's uh, very highly rated. And we had their sales team and their uh, conference staff team, right? And so Mm -hmm. basically, the sales team, they make the sale. And then when you bring in the conference team after the sale is made, and sometimes it's as far as five to 10 years in advance, the sale is made. Then the conference team takes over and they do everything else from getting them to the venue to on site, all the things that are required. And as we're having the discussion in this workshop, what we realized was that the teams weren't talking to each other Mm -hmm. and they did not fully respect or fully understand what each team's responsibility was. They didn't fully understand how to ensure that they handed over that level of responsibility for that client. Got and it. so now there were some gaps that would happen. And now you you have the potential that you you bring down the level of that customer experience because internally they had not discussed whose responsibility it was. Got it. OK. Right.
0: Were they shocked <laughs> as you start to uncover these <sighs> things and, you know, report back to the to the uh, the hosting hosting party that brought you in and you kind of, you know, reveal. Right. These gaps in terms of understanding responsibilities, et cetera. Are people, are yeah, it shock? was
1: it was it was eye opening for them, right? Yeah. You know, and again in this organization, it was really neat, right? This this particular um, hotel, they are kind of like one of the terminal brands that you go to, right? Mm-hmm. Like you work your way up, and that when you get there, you you pretty much are like, look, I've made it, yes. Mm-hmm. And so there were the turnover rate was fairly low because of that, right? And so what we began to uncover was we had people that had been there for twenty plus years, right. And then there was people were starting to retire. So we had some new people there and we found that there was a significant gap between those who had been there for a while and those who were relatively new. Gotcha. And it, and it wasn't something that was, that was done with intentionality. It was just, it just happened. Mm -hmm. And so we began to uncover that we needed to learn how to create the right training so that everybody was on the same sheet of music. We began to uncover that the processes had not been updated because people just assume well you should know that and and we begin you know we begin to find these various gaps and we begin to find opportunities for those two teams to actually communicate better right. so that they could understand what each team's role and responsibility is and each of those team leaders those directors they could understand how to better communicate with each other mm-hmm. to ensure that those teams knew what the responsibilities were and how to have a better employee experience because that translates to your, um, customer experience. Absolutely. And so it was beyond powerful to really unpack what they all were feeling, uh, to include some level of, um, maybe misplaced trust yes. or a lack of empowerment because they felt like they didn't have the information that they needed to be successful.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's good. And then the G in cargo for goals, I'm sure folks get that self explanatory and then over opportunities in this particular model, what, what does opportunities mean in this model?
1: So and, and, and real quick, I want to go back to that goals piece. Right? Okay, and this sure. is, this is sometimes people miss this, James. Okay. You know, when I, when I, when we say goals, we think it's always real simple, right? Make some goals for yourself, make the simple goals or smart goals or whatever, but it's more than that. Okay. As a leader, when I come into an organization, or I already exist in an organization, I need to be able to share what my goals are for the team. Mm. Right. Again. And that ties back into that piece of responsibility. Cause if I share with you, James, as a team member, what the goals are, right. Like in our mastermind, we share what our goals are. So now we're, we know what we are responsible to help each other with. Right. Right. And accountability. And then, what's that?
0: And the accountability factor.
1: I, I, absolutely, man. Like, so like, you got to be willing to share those goals, right? And, and then find out from your people, right? Like like people want to tell you what they're looking for. They want to tell you what they need. They want to tell you what they want. But if you never sit down and say, well, hey, you know what, James, welcome to the organization. Welcome to the team. What are your goals here? Right, right. Oh, okay. What are your goals within the organization? And maybe if you're willing to share, what are some of your goals personally, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Long term. So now, you know, this is something that, that people at, at times have a hard time with. When you sit down and you talk to that person, they might say, "You know what, James? I'm here to just—I'm here to take this job for a year, eighteen months, and then I want to move on to something bigger and better." Right. Some some people they take that and they're like, "Wait a minute,
2: right?"
1: (laughs) Well, versus if you say, "You know what? Cool. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to push you as hard as I can if that's what you want, Mm -hmm. and and I'm going to do what I can in my power to help influence getting you to the next level." Because I have a network that I can expose you to. And if you if you do these things that I'm expecting of you, that I, that I have levied the responsibility on you for, then when we get to 12 and 18 months and you're ready to move on, hopefully I will have done my job as a leader to help get you to where you want to be at and help you um, accomplish your goals, right? Right. So, so can you, I mean, the, the power in that, now that person's going to be like, for that 12 to 18 months, they're going to be one of the best people you've got on your team right and then yeah. of course now they can also help to 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 bring that next person so you know what you're looking for right but if we just say no nah, i'm not i'm i'm not going to share my goals and i don't want to know what your goals are the only thing i care about is do your job and i'll do my job then again now we missed an opportunity missed to communicate opportunity. and we missed an opportunity to build trust and rapport with our people for them to bring their best selves to the job
0: yeah yeah that's good that's good well, so and i cap it off with opportunities. What, do, what does opportunities mean in this model?
1: Yeah, the, the opportunities, right? Opportunities for success. Opportunities to showcase that they're living up to that standard. Opportunities to showcase that they are just crushing it, mm. right? And sometimes those are small things, right? Um, and this is from personal and the professional side. You know, like I said earlier, I alluded to, like, some days my opportunities to succeed is just getting out of bed right now in this current environment, right? For people in the job, sometimes it's, hey, you know what? You showed up, you, you handled business, you did what you had to do. Great. Right. And sometimes it's actually giving them the opportunities to just have these small wins. And then other times it's showcasing the opportunities to win big and, and, and actually discussing where they won in the small ways and where they won in the large ways, right. right? But if we don't create these opportunities to succeed, if we don't show them where they're winning at and we don't show them where they're getting those 100 attaboys at, right? they're going to feel like they are never winning. They're going to feel like that they are just just here, going through the motions on this treadmill of, of life, this perpetual treadmill. But when you show people that they're winning, when you show people that they're succeeding and you're providing opportunities for small wins along the way that lead to the bigger wins, yeah. people get excited, man. They take pride in winning. They begin to take pride in ownership and it changes who they are, right? They start smiling knowing that, you know what, this week, this is how we want. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And so each organization has to decide what those opportunities are and what those opportunities look like. But people need to feel like that they are winning. People need to feel like that they are succeeding. And if they don't, then they're going to begin to feel like that they really aren't contributing to an organization, that they are just showing up each and every day, going through the same motions over and over and over.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. And yeah, I I call those those, you know, the ring the bell moments, right? You need those moments, man, where, you know, I've been in environments where you have the, the board up with the digital display. And every time a person, whatever it is, saves some steps or uh, makes additional sale, right? You can, you can put it up so people can see it and get excited. You need those ring the bell moments, man, to keep people, keep people Absolutely. motivated and excited from, from moment to moment. So that's good. So let me try to recap and anything I go off on, you correct me. But uh, what I heard from you, man, was one, you know, you had your no fail trust model with the three components of be able to trust the training, the process, but in the people, but, in this moment, you were able to pivot understanding that the training sort of went out the door, given all the complexity and things and uncertainty in the environment, so, the process to a certain extent as well. But as always, the people is our most precious commodity, right? Our most precious source of any company and leaders who still don't get that feel free to come to me for remedial training. I, I can help with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and out of that, right, is the cargo model, which really then undergirds everything about people, the creativity, unleashing all your resources, unleashing the people to their fullest capacity, blurring the lines, going beyond the job description, and saying to people, wow, you know, you've been around this company for a while. You've seen all these different things. I'm actually going to empower you to go do those things beyond your job description. You don't have to turn a blind eye to it anymore anymore. I'm gonna let you go do some things, right? Yeah. Um two, access the resources, literally give people what they need to succeed in those different things. So whether it's physical tools, whether it's virtual tools, electronic tools, etc., give them what they need to succeed. Um, the responsibilities, being clear about the responsibilities and not taking for granted that people know just because it's been written on paper or it's been posted somewhere at some point. At some point and sometime it was on some document that Jane saw. Make sure people truly understand what they're responsible for, how to get it done, and the connection I think I heard from you between people's different responsibilities, right? So people understand how it works person to person. And then the goals, and I love this part too, the leader sharing his or her goals first. I think we should just pause there for a second. Just, just, Just take a power pause. The leader sharing his or her goals first. Yeah. Hmm. Some group accountability and what's going to happen from the, the leader's perspective, what they're going to be accountable for, responsible for in a shared sense of account- accountability, not to be thrusted upon or thumped upon, but to get some jet propulsion behind them. From the team, right? So is there some vulnerability there? Absolutely. But is there some yes. power that comes with that? Absolutely. And then last but not least, the opportunities, and I love Jason's uh how you say this, man. The opportunity to um give people the chance to get uplifted, to give people the chance to get uh, a that a to give people a chance to get those clapping moments or what I would call the ring the bell moments to get uh, reinvigorated and excited about what they're doing and, and float from moment to moment. So um, love this cargo model. Thank you, man, for sharing this.
1: Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to share it, man. I mean, obviously I'm passionate about it and, and I'm passionate about people, man. Um, you know, for me, literally in and out of combat, all of my experiences over time, it's been um, it's been the people around me. It's been the people that I've had the fortune to work with that has allowed me to continue to do what I do. Absolutely. And, and if I can do something or share something that allows someone else to create that connection and take care of the people. Then I feel like I've served my purpose in this in this world uh, by doing that. So this is just one of those ways that I'm able to share that, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to share that. Jerry. absolutely, well said.
0: Well, listen, Corelink Solution audience, you heard it from Lieutenant Jason. O'Harris. As always, uh, those are our points, but we'd love to hear your point of view. So wherever you're listening and uh, ever you're watching, feel free to add your thoughts in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. And as you know, I'm here to serve. So on this topic or any other challenges, please put comments there. Or you can drop me an email, James Rousseau at TheCoreLinkSolution.com. Further, you know my ask is as always if you find this podcast to be of value, hit subscribe, rate it, review it, share it with someone you know like and trust. It is appreciated. Until next time, thank you for linking. Up. See you next episode. And as always, be informed, be empowered, be accountable. See you soon.